the smartest white man, at least one of them, on this side of heaven. Bill Lockwood is here every Tuesday, last Tuesday of every month. And it's amazing that this month, this is last Tuesday already. Bill Lockwood, writer and radio host of At American Liberty with Bill Lockwood, now retired from teacher at, uh, now retired teacher at Wichita Falls, Texas, and preacher at Our Park Church of Christ. And so many things I want to talk to Bill about. When I thought of these things over the weekend, there were a couple of people I know that know history, and uh, I want to like, let me talk to them about these issues. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Jesse. How are you today? All is well. Thank you for coming on. I'm happy to be here. It's my privilege to be with you. Last weekend, I was flipping through this TV station there, and I saw this documentary on America. And I've been talking a lot about it. Just I don't see where the country is coming back. And this documentary was about democracy versus republic. And it was talking about if America was a democracy now or republic. And it was showing um, it was showing the the fifties of the the forties, fifties, and sixties how things in America was booming at one time. There were jobs and 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 the middle class people, I guess, were working. The mothers had stayed home for the most part, raised the children, and father was able to take care of the family. And how now all those things are gone and that even some of the big companies are gone and now the 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 tech companies are taking over. It's like they are putting people out of business for their own personal gain. So I wanted to ask you about all this. I wanted you to tell me what is a democracy and what is a republic? Well, a a democracy and a republic, they're two different things. And so America was uh, crafted as a democratic republic. Democracy is from the Greek word demos and uh, uh, Kratos, which is the government uh, rulership. So it would be democracy where everybody participates and all the people participated. It's all the time. So that would be a, a continual uh, action by all the people in all the laws that are going on. But our founders didn't like that idea because democracies have always been very short-lived and very violent in their deaths. So this, that's exactly what happened, for example, in ancient Greece. And when Pericles was a was the leader of Greece, they made it they made it a, a democracy, and it was it was pretty short lived because because when you have the, everybody involved in all things all the time, number one, people don't have time for all of that, but it becomes as as the founders put it, spectacles of turbulence and violence, and uh, consequently, there's some one other element of it, and that is that that people recognize that if they can vote money from the public treasury, which they call the largesse, they can vote money from the public treasury into their pockets, well, the game is up. So you cannot, you cannot have a democracy, and that's one reason they're very short-lived. And the next stage in a democracy is an autocracy or a dictatorship of some kind because there's so much chaos in a democracy that someone has to come in and settle things, and it takes a strong arm at the top. So our founders purposefully and very deliberately created a republic, 
And they even guaranteed that in Article 4 of the Constitution that every state government would have a Republican form of government. Well, what is a republic? A republic is that the that my participation in government is actually done via my representatives. And so I vote individuals into office and they actually take care of the day-to-day business of governing with the understanding that they can be removed from office every two years or even even prior to that if they have violated with egregious violations. But every two years they come up for an election. And so that election keeps keeps them honest because I'm to watch them. I'm able to see what they're doing and I put them in office to take care of the business for my particular area. So a Republic is via the, the machinery of government. And it, and it not only does it allow people to, to free themselves up to participate in life generally, but it also, it also creates a cooling off period in governing because as George Washington put it, you know, like if you're trying to sip a uh, hot tea or hot coffee in a cup, you know, you have to kind of, and, but he said, if you pour it into the saucer, then it cools it off. And he said, that's what a Republic does. It cools it off. And so it allows a cooling off period for people to think about it and to think about the legislation that is being passed. But instead, when people want strong government, they push for a democracy. And so consequently, What has happened in this country, even though our country was established as a republic, that is not only the Constitution, but is also the Pledge of Allegiance to the republic for which it stands, about the period of the strong, what we call the strong government stage, the strong president stage, which would be Teddy Roosevelt and on forward, Woodrow Wilson specifically, they, they wanted to create a democracy and they created legislation in order to push us to a democracy. And so from that point on, about the period of Woodrow Wilson to today, we hear nothing about anything except democracy, democracy, democracy. Even though our founders, incidentally also, Jesse, warned us specifically in in the papers that they wrote regarding the Federalist Papers, that the Federalists, they warned us about democracies are always the next step toward a a dictatorship and so they said stay away from a do- democracy and they they scorned a democracy but that's exactly how people have been brainwashed today amazing and so a republic is what they it's like a system of what they call checks and balance that's that's correct so in checks and balances and the vertical separation of powers the horizontal separation of powers all of that is a part of a republic and so that that created a system of checks and balances whether it be vertical separation horizontal separation horizontal being of course the different branches of government vertical separation that is more power at the bottom less power as you move up to the top and so more most of decision making for myself for yourself for our listeners was to be done at a local level only when it required something a little bit stronger where they were they allowed to go up the ladder to a stronger system of government for example most of the laws that i should live under should be those that i because i th- the reason is because that i can control it so they're close to home local government county government and then only after that does it go up to a state government only then a state government 
but never are they to take it, and the founders will put it this way, never, no, never take it to a federal system. Because once you get in the federal system, you cannot fight Washington, D.C. You cannot change the government. You cannot have an impact on the governing authorities at a federal level. But now we're talking about international level. How successful are American citizens going to be in the state of Texas or in the state of California when they have to fight Brussels or Bel Belgium and the world government or the world, world Health Organization, the United Nations, and all of these world bodies? How are we going to be able to change government and make it more in line with my own my own ideas at a local level. How are we going to do that? Well, the answer is, of course, obviously, you're not. <laughs> and that's, that's what's happened. And so, excuse me. That's right. And so, like, in the 40s and 50s, the uh, 60s, because I graduated high school in 68, uh, and, and the economy was booming. Was that a sign of the Republic being in operation? In the 1960s? The 40s, 50s, and 60s. Well, you know, there were just, jobs and families, yeah. and most of my family well, members bought homes and things like that. Just as socialism always does, it strangles the Republic, it strangles freedom. But it does so over a period of time because you cannot, the American people were not able to go from the time of the George Washingtons and even the Andrew Jacksons and the Franklin Pierce prior to the Civil War and move immediately into an international government where you, the United Nations, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund controls everything and you have uh, China sitting on the uh, United Nations Security Council. That was not going to happen. So in order to do that, socialism strangles a republic, it strangles any government over a period of time. Consequently, we see at the first of American history, there was a constitutional stage in which they basically said, if it's not in the Constitution, you cannot do it. But we came to a period which, was, which is called by... Uh, w. Cleon Skousen in The Making of America, just a great, great commentary on the Constitution. He called it the strong president stage in which socialistic ideas, they are called progressives today. That's how history writes about it. They call it progressive. That tells you who's right in history, by the way, but it was socialism. Teddy Roosevelt, he, based, he said point blank, he said, I refuse to abide by the concept that if the Constitution doesn't give me authority to do something, I can't do it. I will do what the Constitution does not forbid me from doing. So in other words, if I don't find thou shalt not in the Constitution, I'll do it. And the, and the same principle, by the way, is, is practiced by many people in religion today. If the Bible doesn't say I can't do it, I'll do it. <laughs> and that, that's, the strong, that's a socialistic strong president stage, and it, of course, is unbiblical, it is unconstitutional. It never worked in the Old Testament, it doesn't work in the New Testament, and it doesn't work in America. But from that period, we went to the World War I stage where Woodrow Wilson was in charge, and he was basically strictly a socialist. That's what he was. He was a socialist in orientation. 
He did not believe that our rights came from God. He believed that government gave you rights. And when he quoted the Declaration of Independence, he left God out of it, even though it is written right in the text. Then we come to the New Deal stage. And the New Deal stage is, okay, everything is in the executive branch. So we have the EPA today. We have the NEA. And all of the different branches of government are underneath the executive branch in which is a strong just strong presidential, but socialistic stage. So the answer to the question is really long here, but the answer is that we have been strangled for over 150 years by socialism, and we still had the vestiges of freedom in the 1940s and 50s, but by the time we get to the 1960s, it began to, it began to change quite a bit and drastically, as well as not only the government, but social practices and social concepts and the bible was thrown out and then we became basically as we are now a socialistic nation amazing um why no one so this has been so democracy has been creeping in for over hundreds of some years why yes, haven't and i noticed that you hardly hear about the constitution anymore um you don't yeah why somebody didn't see this and stop it a long time ago. You, you know, this is, this is very interesting because the powers that be, the powers that control, once the power gravitates to Washington, D.C., and a strong government begins to be, be flexing its muscles, then it is very, very difficult, if not impossible, to reverse that trend. So that's exactly what has happened from about the period, of, especially of 1890 forward, the progressive age or the socialistic age. We actually allowed all the powers to, to gravitate to D.C. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is because people have been we've been uh, we were inundated with anti-biblical concepts such as the period of 1859 forward, right prior to the Civil War, where we have Darwin's origin of the species, the concept of evolution, and all of those things which kicked the Bible and biblical concepts out the window, and churches began to change, and people began to think differently about the creation of the world, even though there was nothing and has never been proof of evolution. It's simply the general theory is a theory only, but that is what's been taught, that's what we have. That's what we've lived by, and that's what that's what our fa uh, that's what our the presidents from the strong president stage, the Teddy Roosevelts, the Woodrow Wilson. That's what they also applied to government. That is, this is an evolution, and so Woodrow Wilson even compared the government to the general theory of evolution of man, and that is, we have to we have to progress to a period because life has changed. We learn more now than we did when we were uh, Bible students in church and so forth. So not only that, Jesse, but people have become so, uh, I, I would say, hardened to seeing what's going on because we have so much, so much wealth in America. We've had so much progress. We've had so much wonderful uh, freedom advances. And people became very, very lax in guarding their freedom. And when people become very lax in guarding their freedom, then those who have different designs actually take those designs in a direction that in the middle of the night, so to speak, 
that we are not able to guard against. And we, and we really have been put to sleep. Amazing. Um, so things really started to change. It sounds like in the beginning of the 1900s, that's when things really started to change, right? Correct. And I, I would even say that even during the period of the Civil War, the Civil War period, uh, Abraham Lincoln enacted several policies uh, that overrode constitutional concerns, and people forgave him for that because of the Civil War, and it was a wartime, is a wartime period, and so people were arrested and put in jail for for various causes. Um, but that was that became a very strong federal government, and when we came out of the Civil War period, that's exactly what occurred, and and we we actually allowed every all the powers to gravitate to Washington, D.C. So the, in the 1880s, uh, 1870s, 80s, and 90s, it, it really began to transform pretty radically. And when Woodrow Wilson came to the stage, he was just actually a hardened, crusty socialist, and he took us in a direction uh, where we were going to be internationally involved. We got involved in World War One. so now we... But American people were still skeptical about being involved on the international stage in that fashion and so they didn't want to be involved in it but wilson crammed us into world war one and we didn't uh, so we now we became an international uh, player and then world war two uh frank franklin roosevelt wanted to be involved in world war two and he he outlined actually uh, i think it's 12 different items he had his staff i outlined 12 items how can we get involved in World War II? <laughs> okay. And that's what he wanted to do. And do you know the 12-step program that he had, actually he followed every one of those to the T, every one of them. He wanted to be involved on in the international stage. He wanted to be involved in international politics. And so today, that's the problem with the Republican Party. Most of them, or many of them, are internationalists. And so... Yeah. The divide is not Republican and Democrat. The divide is between those who are believing the Constitution, constitutionalists and internationalists, and they want to be involved in international government. So that's why the Chris Christie's of the world hate the Donald Trump's, because yeah. Chris Christie is an internationalist. That's why uh, Dick Cheney and his infamous daughter, Liz Cheney, hate Donald Trump. They're internationalists. They may be Republicans, true. That's why George W. Bush hates Donald Trump. He's an internationalist. He wants us to be involved in an international community and international governing authority. They are not constitutional. And Donald Trump came along and said, no, no, I'm going to the UN and I'm telling you, you get out of American business. And the left lost it. They absolutely lost it. And they're still trying to take him down. Is Mike, do you know if Mike Pence an internationalist as well? I, I'm not so sure about Mike Pence. I, I, um, I really don't know. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I don't. I have not in my mind classified him as one of those um, Governor Christie people or George Bush. Um, I, I really don't. I don't really care for Mike Pence as much. I know <laughs> that. Um, I, I just think he's too weak, and yeah. I, and I think that he has misrepresented Donald Trump. That's my opinion on what's happened here. He said. But that's my thinking on, my personal opinion on Mike Pence. Oh, okay. Um, I noticed that the word 
And for those who are just tuning in, I was talking to Bill Lockwood in the last half, half of the beginning of the show there in the first hour, so you can catch up with what we were talking about when you podcast it. And I wanted to finish up this subject because I clearly want to understand what's going on in my country, and I want y'all to understand that want to know. Uh, how come the word democracy sound better than the word republic? Democracy sound like freedom, republic it doesn't. <laughs> well, I think that's just misinformation and, and maleducation. Yeah. Uh, people are just not familiar. It, it, I wanted to go back to Woodrow Wilson's period, if I may, for just a moment on that, yeah. to show the example of how he wanted, and he, helped, he himself uh, engineered through Congress. Uh, the Congress was a very progressive, socialistic-minded Congress. And, uh, and so he pushed through himself, he helped push through different legislative actions in order to get it in, in that in that direction and number one was the direct income tax our founding fathers that's the 16th amendment our founding fathers absolutely avoided a direct income tax because it makes every first of all it makes everybody a liar it makes everybody try to hide all the money that they have if they're going to directly tax you on your income that is based upon how much money you make and so consequently the founding fathers, even that they talked long and hard about how we're going to tax and they avoided an income tax and they even suggested don't go to an income tax. But Woodrow Wilson wanted uh, they wanted not only more money, but this is this is how the government federal government now gets into your pocketbook and reaches over the states. It reaches over any kind of any kind of blockades that the states will have for you and right into your pocket. So the federal government right now reaches into everybody's in, in everybody's pocket. So that's number one, the income tax. Number two was the direct election of senators, the 17th Amendment. Prior to Woodrow Wilson's period, the senators were voted on by the state legislature. So the Texas legislature, the California legislature, whatever legislature it would be, actually put into place the senators and the senators were to represent the states and the state concepts. But the argument was, well, they're, they're too much involved in, in power, too much involved in, in uh, the big money and uh, big government, and so they're not interested in the people. Well, have we, have we bettered it by going to the direct election of senators, the 17th? No, we have not. That's still the main problem that people face. That's always going to be a problem. Yeah. So what happened is then we now no longer have a Republican form of government in that sense because the 17th Amendment has the direct election of senators. So there's no difference between the House of Representatives and what was called the higher chamber, the Senate. So we have the direct election of senators and also Woodrow Wilson engineered through it what probably one of the most dastardly pieces of legislation that has ever come out, and that is the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 in which now we have the federal government controlling and it was unconstitutional from first to last and they did it, it with a cloak and dagger secrecy system to get the federal reserve in place a an international a national bank which is has no strings attached the federal government has never been able to look at it and uh, and look at the books of it and see where the money has gone and so that was setting up in order for a socialistic government because these men had a long range plan in mind. 
Woodrow Wilson, the, the, the socialist of that period, they had a long range plan and we simply, so we, we were absolutely uh, cold cocked on that entire system. And so things have never been the same since the Federal Reserve has taken over. Consequently, and then one other thing that we, I have to mention, Jesse, and that is it, in order to create a socialistic state, there's one more thing that had to be in the place, and that is a welfare system. Yeah. The Constitution in Article 1, Section 8 mentioned general welfare, but the founding fathers, the crafters of a Constitution were very specific, very detailed in telling us that it did not mean taking money from one person and giving to another person or taking one mon money from one class of people and giving to another class. Every one of them tells us that it meant simply if it did not provide for the general welfare of the entire country, then you cannot do it. And that was simply a generic statement. So Madison himself said you cannot take money from one person and give it to another. And all the way through the period of the, of the Civil War, Franklin Pierce also, they, he vetoed a bill. Matter of fact, they wanted to take money from the taxpayers and give it to the mentally ill. Franklin Pierce said, absolutely not. Grover Cleveland, after the Civil War, he vetoed a bill in which Congress passed trying to get money to drought inflicted counties. And he said, no, this is unconstitutional. You cannot find, you cannot lay your finger on a provision of the Constitution that allows you to take money from one person or one county or one group of people and give it to another. It is unconstitutional. What happened? During the period of FDR's period, we have the wealth, general welfare now became the welfare system. And so now that is plays a part in why the borders wide open. And what, what happens? Well, Biden administration is giving them, uh, giving them all their cards, giving them all their abilities. They're giving them an app in which they can apply for membership. They come here. They matter of fact, there's a story that came out the other day. The people that are coming up through Mexico, Jesse, I don't know if you knew this or not, are walking right by various factories that are begging for workers <laughs> in Mexico and they're walking right by them. They're not wanting to work. Yeah. They come because why? Because they come up here to get a check. And that's what's happening. And we're and now we're providing their health care. We're providing their education. We're providing their housing. Who, who would not want to come here? It's all unconstitutional to the max. And we've lost our constitution through the through the welfare system. And so the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are, are in agreement with all this, because I noticed that the Republican Party is doing nothing about the real issues in America today. They're not stopping the money from going over to Ukraine. They're not stopping the illegal aliens from coming in. They're not stopping the crime and defunding the police. They're just talking about Hunter Biden, but they're doing nothing about the real issues in America. Is that because we now have a one-party system? We do. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a one-party system. It's internationalists, and that's what's taking place. Democrats, of course, are the more rabid rabid ones, but there are so many Republicans also that we say, well, uh, well, we'll get a Republican in there. Well, <laughs> no, that's that's not the answer necessarily. Right. It depends on what kind of a Republican that person is, whether he is interested in the national government and whether he's interested in the Constitution. For example, there is not one provision of the Constitution 
that enables one person, one senator, one congressman, one government agent to take one dollar of American taxpayer money and send it to a foreign nation, yeah. not one. But we send billions of dollars overseas all the time on a constant basis. And all we do in Congress now is argue how much. Yeah. Well, we, you know what? I remember when Governor Perry, who was a governor of Texas before Governor Abbott, uh, he was in Trump's administration and he would, he would argue, well, we do need to cut back on how much money we send over. Cut back. <laughs> how about cut it off? Yeah. So we give money. We give money to Israel because they're so, so they're supposed to be our friends, Israel, and no doubt they are. So we give a lot of money there, but no, we have to give other money to other countries surrounding them because, after all, they're going to be unhappy. We give money to Israel, so we give money to other countries, <laughs> and we just, it never ends. Um, and we yeah. cannot seem to see straight enough to get back to the Constitution. So was there ever a time when? our democracy slash republic functioned properly? I believe up to the period of the Civil War, it did. Oh. That is not to say that there were not problems. There were problems, and there have always been problems, But and the founders recognized there would always be problems because whenever you're trying to govern men, people, there will be problems. So what they built into the system was a system by which every state was its own republic. Every state had a republican form of government. And the Constitution of Article 4, Section 4 tells us every state coming in must have a republican form of government. But that would mean that every state would control its own business unless it was a national issue and only the national government was oversee, could oversee about 20 different areas that were specifically outlined in Article 1, Section 8. So it functioned this way. If, if a state such as the state of Texas coming in, <clears throat> now in the 1850s wanted to have, for example, a, a welfare system and take taxpayer money from one class and give it to another class. Well, you know what? If people in Texas didn't like that, they can move to the state of Tennessee or, or opposite or whatever they wanted to do. So that's how the founders wanted it to function. They wanted the governments at the state level to do their own experimentation, as long as they kept a Republican form of government, do their own experimentation. If they wanted to do something this way, then go ahead and do it. If it was unpopular, then, then what? Okay, then people are going to vote with their feet. They're going to get out of that state like right now they're doing in the state of California. Yeah. Unfortunately, when the federal government took over everything – now, when the state of California has a shortfall, as it does, and most states do, then the taxpayers from the state of Texas are going to pick up the bill. Well, that defeats the very purpose of the founders because of a, a redistribution policy, which is Marxist all the way. And Karl Marx was the one who set all of this up, and we're following Marxism more than we are the Constitution today. Amazing. So is America still the greatest country on this side of heaven? No. No, we're, as far as free, it, it depends upon what metric you use. If you use the metric of freedom and liberty, where do we fall in the world scheme of things? Well, we fall down way down the list. I don't remember where I saw it. Now, I'll say this. I, I would prefer living here. Of course, I grew up here. I would prefer living here than anywhere else in the world. And people say, well, that means you believe it's the greatest country. 
But we are so rapidly losing that, that it makes me so concerned. And that our freedoms, if we think about how free or how curtailing of our freedoms that we are seeing, we fall way down on the list. Now, I don't know that there's a specific country that is the greatest nation on the earth. But I will say this, that we are losing our freedoms and we have already lost so much of our freedom that we are now way down on the list as, as far as how much we pay in taxes, who controls our education, who controls our land, who controls the land. Yeah. The federal government controls the land. Who controls all of these things? The federal government does. And so there are a lot of places that you have more freedom in certain respects than others. So I would say, you know, I, I said no right off the bat, but <laughs> I would say I prefer to live in this country. Right. But we are way, way losing those freedoms as rapidly as I speak. Is China greater than America? China? Uh-huh. No. You know, China is built upon a socialistic system, and we have now moved to that socialistic system. Right. But, but as, as we talked about at the beginning, initial portion of the program, it takes time for these particular, these particular policies to have this outreaching effect. And it's kind of like poison in a system. When you have poison in the system, it takes a while for that cancer to grow in a system. And once, once it grows in the system, you have, you have it, and you're not cutting it out. What's going to happen? Well, it takes time, but it will kill the system. And that's what's happening now. So we have that in our, in our country right now. So maybe I should take back what I said earlier. I do believe it's the greatest place to live and the greatest country, but we are rapidly losing it in, in America. Amazing. And so I know you talked about, and, and time is running out here, but I know you talked about the uh, borders. What is the big lie when it comes to our southern border? Well, the, the big lie, once again, I believe, goes back to the welfare system. And as well as the concept that people could come over here and declare amnesty. Our government has got to stop the amnesty claims. They're claiming amnesty for everything, whether it be a poor country and poverty. And so we say, okay, uh, uh, Kamala Harris goes down to Central America and she talks to Nicaragua and she says, okay, well, in order to keep people from coming to America, we're going to give you $10 million or $1 billion to help you out here. Wrong. Number one, it's not constitutional. Number two, you don't stop poverty by throwing money at it that is not how poverty right. stops yeah poverty stops when people have a need and they actually go to work but that is not what's taking place in america so people are in poverty because they choose to be in poverty that's what's happening here in america look what's happening on the streets of los angeles right now you have tent cities going up by the hundreds in Los Angeles, in San Diego, in San Francisco. Why? People choose to do it because the government enables them to do it. People choose to be poor in this country. There is so much freedom and so much ability to tap into so many helps of government programs, whether they're constitutional or not. People choose poverty. 
just like they're choosing coming up from Nicaragua and El Salvador to walk right by factories in Mexico that are begging for workers, yeah. but they're coming here for a check, a free check and a free app by the Biden administration to get them free education, free welfare, free hospitalization, free housing, free everything. And, and they could go stay in five-star hotels in New York City where I'd have to pay $500 a night. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's upside down. It's insane. But this is what welfare does to a society. Yeah. So you meant they 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 are crying uh not amnesty but a, asylum, right? Asylum. I yeah, I'm sorry, asylum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, no yeah asylum. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so be, there. right. In closing Oh, two quick things. Number one, I noticed that they are going after the U.S. Supreme Court now through intimidation, right. things like that. Why is American, why are Americans so easily intimidated? Why are they intimidated? Why are Americans intimidated? I think, I think that once again, I'm going to take it back to the welfare system. We have become so spoiled for government assistance and government aid, and we cannot, we cannot seem to live on our own. Gone are the days when people are, where the mountain men would go to the West and say, you know what, I'm gonna take my horse, I'm gonna take my belongings, I'm taking my own life in my hands because the Indians may kill me and they killed many of them. And they went out West simply to trap beaver and live on their own. Yeah. And they didn't ask the government for permission, and they certainly didn't ask the government for help. But today, today, we have become so feminized by government assistance and government programs and government uh, giving us the permission to do everything, we cannot seem to think outside the box of government permitting us to do something. Yeah. So we, so... There'll be no way that we can, okay, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to secede as a state where people, what, 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 what are we going to do? How are we going to do that? How, well, we need the, we need federal funds, the federal money and blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we just, we are so effeminized anymore in America. We cannot stand on our own. And that is what socialism does to a people. Yeah, I noticed that on the U.S. Supreme Court, they're going after men like, Justice Clarence Thomas now. They're going right. after Samuel Alito, I believe. They're trying to right. get those guys out of the way. And I know Clarence Thomas is a tough guy. You know, I've met with him several times. I've talked to him for hours. And I don't know if he would be able to endure this alone, though. You're exactly right. People need to support him. They're putting out emails right now for support of Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas came into the Supreme Court under the withering attack of lies and intimidation yeah. by the Democratic Party once again. And they have never stopped. Yeah. Clarence, I'll tell you something else. The Supreme Court the other day forbade the states of Texas and the other states, to, Louisiana, for example, to sue the federal government over the immigration policies. See, we have... We have once again become so enamored with the law system in saying, okay, if we don't like what's going on, let's sue the government. That has never been really the answer. That's only a stopgap measure for a certain period because 
Once you have a strong arm of government in place like we do now, they tell you now, as the Supreme Court did the other day, you may not sue the federal government from the state of Texas over immigration policies, even though they're blatantly unconstitutional, unlawful, illegal, immoral. It doesn't matter. You can't sue. All right, now what? Well, that's our last. That's our last straw. Yeah. And that's how we think about it. Well, I can't sue. Now, what are we gonna? What are we gonna do? Well, we're in trouble because we cannot think independently outside of government dependence. Well. Well, that was the way that we should have done it, perhaps to begin with. But we're past that stage. Amazing. We're now we're now in a stage where people states better stand up and say, you know what? I'm not sending one tax dollar from a from the state of Texas to the federal government. Period. We're not doing it. No, no more. We'll take care of ourselves here. If they don't like it, then you know, let them do what they will. Amazing. I had some some people visit me yesterday from Texas. They were visiting. They came by, and they said that Texas is. Uh, Dallas, Texas, and other parts of Texas are turning liberal now. And they, yeah. they, they're surprised how liberal it's becoming. Texas is becoming very liberal. That's the, pol- that's the point of an open border. Yeah. To water down, destroy the conservative states. Arizona used to be one of the most conservative states, Barry Goldwater, came out of Arizona. But they press... And the liberals, the Democrats, the internationalists hated him. They hated Barry Goldwater. And they and Lyndon Johnson put out all kinds of ugly material against Barry Goldwater. And lies, lies, lies. The state of California put up Ronald Reagan. Those days are gone. <laughs> gone for good. You'll never see a Ronald Reagan come out of California ever again. And the state of Texas has had conservatives such as the Ted Cruz's also, but you know what? We keep oh, the borders open, we're cutting our own throats. Yeah. And we're not going to put up any more conservatives and the game will be finished and we'll not have the strength in the state of Texas to secede if we need to secede. And by the way, the constitution was passed by the states under the understanding that they would be able to withdraw from the union if the federal government violated the Constitution. That's what they said. That's what they came into the Union with the understanding of. Now they say, well, we can't do that. That's I took it to our own, our own uh, state representative and our own state representative, Frank, um, what's his, anyway, Frank, anyway, their own, James Frank, James Frank, our own state representative. And I talked about this at a tea party, the right of secession. He said, well, he went to the lawyers of his lawyers and he said, uh, well, no, our lawyers say secession is not a constitution. We can't do it. Amazing. Nonsense. Yeah. They came, we came into this under a contract with the federal government with the understanding that if the federal government violates the contract, we may withdraw. Amazing. It's a natural right of mankind. Bill, thank you so much. America with Bill Lockwood. Find Bill at American Liberty with BillLockwood.com and Patriot Pulpit on News Talk 1290. Bill, thank, thank you, you so much, man. That was an amazing lesson. It's the best education I had in a long time. And amazing! To-